Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. yards for Hopkins in the lead. Kick is up and good. And Cleveland in front. Now it's up to Moody to finish it. With 41. Moody. No good. Now back to overtime with Sterling Bennett, Alan Stiles, and Mark Grandy. On 95.7 The Game. Welcome back to Overtime here on 95.7 The Game. It's Grandy and Evan with you. No Sterling and Allen today. The Browns knock off the 49ers 19-17. to You just heard the, the two field goals at the end of the game. Dustin Hopkins for Cleveland made a 29-yard field goal to take that 19-17 to lead. And then Jake Moody, the Niners rookie kicker, missed from 41 to end this ball game again. 19-17 to in favor of the Cleveland Browns. The call you just heard, Kevin Burkhart, courtesy of Fox Niners fall again by two points and they're now five and one in 2023 and the Niners might not have only suffered a loss in the win loss column but also a couple of key injuries to talk about Evan uh, Kyle Shanahan has addressed the media and uh, he said that they don't yet know the severity of the injuries to Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. Debo was hurt in the first half. A shoulder injury did not return. Christian McCaffrey was in and out of the game in the second half. He came back after initially being banged up, did not return later on. He has an oblique injury per the 49ers, but Shanahan saying they do not know the severity of those two injuries just yet. Trent Williams left the game for a moment. He did come back in and looked like a, an ankle or knee lower leg injury, but he came back in and closed out the ball game, but we'll certainly be looking for an update on that as well. But Evan, uh, if the 49ers want to uh, brush this loss off, they're certainly going to hope that the injuries to Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey are not too severe, because those are two of their most important pieces on offense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, their absence in today's game was felt with immediacy, and if I'm going to be concerned about one more than the other, it probably would be Debo because he left pretty quickly after. And it was a play that was sort of unsuspecting. I mean, he just got tackled and, and apparently fell on that shoulder and then headed to the locker room, and we never saw him from that point on. Meanwhile, McCaffrey, it looked like the oblique was just something that was probably a... I mean, pain tolerance. I know that he came back into the game, and actually the first play, once he came back, was right to him. It was just a run up the gut. So he apparently was was at least trying to tough it out. So I am less worried about Christian McCaffrey than I am Debo Samuel. But like I, I also think that Kyle Shanahan and his, his comments soon thereafter were, were pretty much what everyone is feeling right now. Not, not that the words make it any better, but you know, hearing from him talking about how his message to the players was, regardless of the kick, the game was lost before them. There were too many mistakes, and the majority of which were on offense, and that starts with Kyle Shanahan. So him taking ownership doesn't make him uh, make me feel like I don't want to, you know, 
bring credit or part of me bring criticism to his doorstep, but I do think that this was pretty much an accurate assessment of what went wrong today. A lot outside of the kicking game, including the kicking game. Penalties, they had, what, 11 for over 100 yards. Injuries did not do them any favors. Um, I know there were a couple of calls that, that didn't feel like they went the 49ers' way, especially on that last drive. Yeah, we can get into that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they had chances to win this football game, and they couldn't make enough plays. 100%. I agree with you for sure. And, and we can get into a little more uh, from Kyle Shanahan. I did want to let you know, if you're trying to call in, you're going to need a new number here today on Overtime. 415-986-4186. Again, 415-986-4186. We're moving to a new building, and this is just a stopgap for today. You can keep the 888-957-9570 number in your back pocket for the future and for the Comcast business text line but again if you want to get on overtime today and we want to hear from you call 415-986-4186 and Evan some of the mistakes the misses that you're talking about this is what Kyle Shanahan said about that I thought quote I thought we did some good things in the first half we had two opportunities in the first half to get two really big plays that I think would have changed a lot of it and we missed both of them but it wasn't just Brock it was everybody, and I think Shanahan is spot on there. The two plays he's talking about was early in the game in the first quarter, a deep shot to Brandon Ayuk. Purdy looked like he put a nearly perfect ball on Brandon Ayuk's hands, just bobbled it, lost it, incomplete, a drop. And then there was one later on in the first half down the right sideline where Purdy had a wide-open Christian McCaffrey. There was some pressure in his face. Ultimately, he airmailed it to McCaffrey. It falls incomplete. If they hook up there, it probably goes for a walk-in touchdown for McCaffrey. Those are two very big plays. And, Evan, I agree with Shanahan. If he hit just one of those, let alone both, this game probably not only feels a lot different, but the final score, I'm sure, looks a lot different. The Niners missed some opportunities, and then there were no opportunities in the second half. Even more reason why you got to hit those when you get them in the first half. You do, and I think one of them was on Brock Purdy, and one of them was on Brandon Ayuk. I think Brandon Ayuk is a player that tells you he should come down with that football nine times out of ten, and in a way, I almost felt like that was Brock Purdy's best throw of the day. It was off his back foot, there was pressure in his face, and he was able to deliver, I thought, a pretty good football down the seam that Brandon Ayuk could not haul in, and maybe that's some of the conditions showing up. I know Ayuk had not his best game. I know he had four catches for nearly 80 yards, but ten targets, certainly not the kind of efficiency that we're used to seeing from Brandon Ayuk, and perhaps some of that is also the majority of the game being without a running mate on the outside. Juwan Jennings was, was the number two receiver for most of this game, and he kind of had to split Debo Samuel's role as both running back and wide receiver with Ray Ray McLeod, who caught the majority of those jet sweeps. That probably would be going to number 19. Meanwhile, the second throw, that is one where Brock Purdy, I'm sure, is shaking his head at his locker right now, because that's a, a, a potentially game-altering throw. At that point, about two and a half left before the half. Second and 13, at that point you're leading 10-7. to So you're still playing from ahead the entire game, and with getting the stop afterwards, which I assume the defense would continue to do, even though Cleveland gets the ball out of the half, you're up by 10, you can play a little more on the ground, the pass is open, and what Purdy has done so well is not just protect leads, but also extend them so far in his young career. So if he hits that ball to Christian McCaffrey, who is wide open, I think we're seeing a very different football game. And It's not just the one play, it's a bunch of different plays that added up, but the fact that it's a two-point separation at the end of the game that came down to a 41-yard field goal, that's one you certainly look at and say, damn, well, you know, Brock Purdy today, his stat line wasn't that impressive. You know, 12 for 27, 125 yards, a touchdown and a pick. But if he hits that one throw, I think it does change this football game. I agree. And yeah, in a game that was ultimately decided by two points in, in field goals, you get six on a play like that in the first half. It, I think I agree with you. It'll, it'll definitely change the outcome of this game. And, and you could look, you know, uh, how much credit do the, does the Niners' defense deserve? I mean, they held Cleveland to only 19 points. I get it. I mean, they were good. They were all over the place. But the Browns also playing with a third-string quarterback. His first game action, regular season game action, as a Cleveland Brown. Like, the, I mean, they made him... 
it, it was ugly offensively for both teams. P.J. Walker, 18 for 34, two interceptions, did not find the end zone on the ground or through the air, 192 yards. The Niners' defense was good, yes, and they were the reason that the 49ers were in this game because the offense was entirely non-existent, save for one eight-yard touchdown run in the second half after a Diamondor Lenore interception. The only points the Niners scored in the second half were gifted to them by the defense, but ultimately you needed a little bit more from the defense, as unfair as that sounds. Uh, you, you got a, a third-string quarterback going against him. I'm, I'm not blaming the defense at all, but you get to a point where you're you're trying to think about how to assess blame and and, and who deserves credit on, on what side. Browns had a third-string quarterback. It was supposed to be this ugly for them offensively. Who didn't throw a touchdown. Who didn't throw a touchdown. Excuse me, how many people, I think yourself and Lorenzo Neal on the kickoff show, didn't expect the Browns to get above, what, 14 points? I'm right there with you. Like, I think, what, Lowe said 10 points, 24 to 10, I think, was the expected score, which I had a very similar projection. Like, that's what this felt like. Cleveland got a little bit more offensively than I think we were all expecting, despite the fact that it was ugly from the jump. you got to credit Cleveland. They just were able to succeed as you said, in in a muddy kind of game. They drug the 49ers into the mud, and today they were more comfortable playing from that mud. Well, I appreciate the plug for the kickoff show because we also had our magic number at 20. <laughs> which would have done it. Which, which would have quite literally yep. been the number that the 49ers needed to win this football game. No, I, look, I, I didn't think that P.J. Walker would be able to score in this game, which I guess he, he technically didn't throw a touchdown. But where I was amazed, Mark, was the fact that you look up at halftime, and, and yeah, the 49ers are on top. It, it's a close game. But I was amazed at with the ease with which the Cleveland Browns were able to move the football between the 20s. I did not expect that against this 49ers defense. And even though I felt like they played pretty well the entire game, and they were forced to. I mean, they, they held up their end of the bargain, I thought, for the most part. The offense did not. But on the ground, Cleveland got 160 yards at nearly 5 yards per carry. Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt pretty much doing whatever they wanted to on the ground. And mind you, this is also not only a team with its third-string quarterback, but they're missing their best offensive lineman, an all-pro in Joel Bentonios. That's a guy that clears lanes in the running game who was absent today. The 49ers, meanwhile, got a little more depth on the defensive line by adding Randy Gregory, who, to his credit, did have a big sack on third down. I thought he played well today. Yeah. But at the point of attack, Cleveland was the tougher football team in the trenches today. And there were still plenty of opportunities for the 49ers to win this football game. But if we're talking about scripts to follow, the one needle that Cleveland could thread to win this game, I think we saw it. The impact from the weather, the injuries on the 49ers' side, a turnover here, the 49ers not being able to do anything with the first turnover they got from Fred Warner's interception, I think played a big role in this football game. And then towards the end... You forcing two particularly young players to make the plays necessary to win, and that was Brock Purdy, who I thought held up his end of the bargain on the final drive, and then the rookie Jake Moody, who could not. So, look, Jim Schwartz and the defense for this Cleveland Browns team deserves a lot of credit, but it was interesting to me, Mark, to see how easily they were able to impose their will in the running game against a 49ers front four that I believe to be superior to this Browns offensive line. Well, and Amari Cooper got behind the defense a couple of times. He only had four catches, but 108 yards. Just and throw it up. A highlight reel catch where he just, as you said when we were watching live, he mossed Mooney Ward. He just went up and took it over the top of Mooney Ward. That was a big play in the second half that led to points for Cleveland. Four for 108, including one that went for 58 yards. He was just a big play waiting to happen, and without him, they would have had absolutely nothing in the passing game of P.J. Walker's 192 passing yards. 108 of them on just four catches went to Amari Cooper, so he was super important in this game, and the Niners struggled to contain him not often, but when they did, he hurt them big time. Again, four for 108 for Amari Cooper, so for me personally, I'm having a little bit of a hard time trying to find the balance between credit for Cleveland and blame for the 49 because the Niners 100% looked like just a different team than they have throughout the rest of the season. Is that because of the conditions? Is it because of a 10 o'clock start for their body clocks out there on the Eastern time zone? Is it 
credit to the Cleveland Browns and what they're able to do defensively. I'm not so sure. I'm having a little bit of a hard time figuring out where the blame and the credit should lie. So I want to go to the phones and ask you all here on Overtime on 95.7 The Game. Again, a unique number today. If you want to call in, 415-986-4186. Connor in San Leandro is up next. Connor, what did you think of this game? Blame for the 49ers or more credit to the Cleveland Browns? What's up, guys? Um, believe it or not, as a Niners fan, I'm really happy about what just happened. I'm so psyched that we're five and one. Please explain. But I think that the conversation around we're different fans. Uh, co- basically the coronation of Brock Purdy, we need to chill. We need to stop talking about oh, do we have the MVP, offensive player of the year, and defensive player of the year on the same team? That's not the conversation that we and need coach to be of the year. having. We need to say Brock Purdy is immortal. I mean, he's vulnerable, and he's behind your offensive line, and we are still before the trade deadline. That's so exciting. Listen, I love Trent, but we have a guy who is leading our offensive line who is old enough to run for president of the United States, not to mention McKivitz there. He is a mortal. Our QB is not the next second coming of Joe Montana yet. We need to protect him. What are we doing for the front office before the trade deadline to protect this man? Because even if he is a system quarterback, we can still win the Super Bowl if we protect him and get people out of his face. And so stop. we should probably stop talking about what the odds are on MVP for Brock Purdy and way more be talking about what the odds are that Kyle Shanahan and uh, the, the, the general manager, the ownership of the team, what are they going to do to put more people in front of Brock Purdy to make sure that we don't have the same thing that happened in the NFC Championship last year where he goes down because we can't protect him enough. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Connor. Appreciate the call. I think Connor had a number of good points. I'm not so sure I'd go as far as saying I'm happy that the 49ers lost this game. I do get where he's coming from. Um, I don't think a a wake-up call or anything of that sort is is necessary at this stage of the season. I I would never want my team to lose. Um, And I also could say, Connor... I don't want to overreact to one bad Brock Purdy game. I could go back to Joe Montana's rookie second year, third year, hell, probably even fourth year, and find a bad game. Like you could do that for any quarterback in the National Football League, whether they were fantastic, Hall of Famer, or just run-of-the-mill quarterback. So I'm not going to overreact to just one game from Brock Purdy. And this was, I don't know if weird circumstance is the right word, but there were other things going on in this game. Um, but I, I do think this is also the first time all year, Evan, where we've seen a concern that we all had throughout the offseason, the offensive line, really come back to bite the 49ers. They've been, at least in my opinion, better than expected. I've been pleasantly surprised by the offensive line play through five weeks. But today, specifically in the second half, against one of the best defensive lines in football, they were bad, and they made it extremely difficult on their quarterback. And I also think the play calling made it difficult on the offensive line because we did not see Brock Purdy getting the ball out nearly as quickly as we had in weeks past. Now, some of that, I think, it because of the situation of the football game. Some of that was the conditions. But what's one way to help a below-average or average defensive line? Make sure that there's not enough time for guys to get to the quarterback. Run the football. Those are all things that we didn't see Brock Purdy do as much in this football. How many times were we saying during the game watching it, God, they're, they're playing behind the sticks. Like they were in traditional passing situations where you're ha- where you're hoping to move the ball downfield more often than not, especially in the second half when they had what four drives for negative twelve yards. Like they could not do anything through the air. And to me, some of that is on yes, of course, the offensive line not giving Brock Purdy a lot of time. And I think that's what the caller's point was larger than just you know Brock Purdy being coordinated or, or not coordinated, whatever you want to call it. But for the 49ers who made the decision in the offseason to not re-sign Mike McGlinchey, to elevate Colton McKivitz, and not really go out and provide him much help outside of add some interior depth in John Feliciano, that to me is a situation where, yes, if a Trent Williams goes down, and thank God that he was able to return and it looks like he's going to be okay, if your best guy goes down, that becomes a very subpar offensive line immediately. And that's going to hurt Brock Purdy unless you do things to keep him ahead of the sticks and keep him out of harm's way. I think that's also a big reason why he wasn't 
great today. But I will say this, and, and I think the caller was alluding to it, I do think this was a valuable football game for Brock Purdy. I don't think it was a valuable football game for the 49ers because they should have won the game, but it was valuable for Purdy to face an adverse situation where you're down two all pros, you're down your number one running back and weapon, your offensive line is kind of makeshift, it's not giving you enough time. What can you do when you don't have everything at your disposal. This was the first time we've seen Brock Purdy without a full cast of weapons at his disposal, and I don't think he passed the test, but at least now he knows what that feels like for the next time it inevitably is going to happen because this is football. Yeah, and we can we could dedicate a whole segment later on to the show to the streaks that ended today. Brock Purdy's consecutive regular season games McCaffrey's won didn't. to start a career. McCaffrey's the only one that continued. Niners lose in the regular season for the first time in Getting close to a calendar year, they didn't score 30 points for the first time this season and in the regular season for a number of weeks as well. A number of streaks came to an end. We'll get you updated on all of those before we do get on out of here on overtime here on 95.7 The Game. But I want to go back to the phone lines here. Rob in San Bruno is standing by here on overtime. Again, if you want to get in on the action and we want to hear from you, do not call the normal number. Give us a call on 415 986 Again, 415-986-4186. Up next again, Rob in San Bruno. Rob, what's up? You're on overtime with Evan and Grandy. How you doing? I'm good. What's going on, fellas? Look, we, we can't cry about the O-line. I just, I just thought that Cleveland came out. They got the number one defense in the league for a reason. They have talent across that defensive line. They play man-up defense all game long, and they forced Brock Purdy to beat them, and Brock didn't do it. They stopped. They got the script. You stop CMC. Unfortunately, Devo got hurt. That kind of messed up. I think Cal's play calling to where now you can't do all the gimmick motion stuff because now they not they don't fear they don't fear the other receiver. They don't fear Juan Jennings. Now you only got one receiver. They really fear. They can just cover him one on one. So I just felt like Cleveland. They bullied the Niners in the run game. They stopped CMC. Pretty much hurt him. Got him out the game. And they said Purdy beat us. And I think Purdy. Play like Purdy played without CMC. It's, CMC is a game changer, and when he's not on that field, and then you add, and then you add Debo to that, it makes it hard for the 49ers. They're based off scheme. They're not really based off just down the field passing. Their scheme, everything is based off their run game. So if the run game is shot and there's no play action to figure off of that, what else do you have? So I just feel like Brock Purdy got exposed for his limitations, but that's not his fault because. His skill set is based on the skill set of his sporting cast, and his two best players on offense, they both got hurt. So it is what it is. I mean, you know, give Browns, give got to give Browns their credit. They came out with a with a game plan, and 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 they beat the game plan. I thought Purdy had a few bad passes that should have been intercepted, and I don't want no excuses about the rain because Trey Lance didn't get them excuses last year, and I thought Trey Lance played better last year than Purdy played this year in the rain. That's without CMC. Or Kittle, so I don't want to hear no excuses. Purdy's doing good this year. He's going to be better next week, but this week, I think the offense got exposed. They need all their weapons to be great, and I thought the defense stayed in it. They played tough, made a few mistakes, but I thought the defense played tough. I mean, Browns just won the game. That's it. That's it. That's all. Yeah, Rob, appreciate the call. I mean, I think Nick Bosa agrees with you. He said post game, "quote They did a really good job of scheming us up." They had the advantage after the opening drive of the ball game where the Niners go five plays, 84 yards. They get into the end zone. They lead 7 nothing. From that point on, the 49ers really struggled to move the ball, and it just felt like Cleveland had the answers, specifically defensively. But as you mentioned, Evan, a little bit ago, they were able to get big chunks both on the ground and through the air in the middle third of the field a lot of the time, and it's why they settled for so many field goals in this game. They made four field goals. They missed another. Uh, 19-17 to is the final score. I'm not so sure I'd go as far as Rob is saying the Niners offense got exposed, but you certainly found a weakness if Debo Samuel goes down. Rob is right. Ray Ray McLeod does not scare opposing defenses anywhere near the level that Debo does, and it required a level of adjustment that it seemed like Kyle Shanahan and the Niners weren't able to make on the fly. No, and while Brock Purdy, again, I said it up the top, this was his worst game as a professional. He was not great today. But I would push back on the note about him not helping the team or him not putting the team in a position to win because he did do that on the final drive. 
If Jake Moody makes that kick, we're having a completely different conversation about Jake uh, about Brock Purdy. He did his job on the last drive. He's got the clutch gene. No, but that's something you want to see after being particularly horrible in the first part of the second half. Like, Brock Purdy was not very good. He missed throws. In the first half when it was raining, he missed a throw low to Kittle that had no chance of being completed. He missed a wide-open McCaffrey that could have been a touchdown. He missed some throws. He missed a lot of throws today. But he also, when the chips were down, put you in a position to win the football game. That's something that I don't know if any other quarterback under Kyle Shanahan prior to would have done. So I'm not trying to make an excuse for the kid, but I am saying when you needed him to make a drive... He did. Yeah, I get you. I agree. 19-17 is the final score. Cleveland knocks off the 49ers on the road in Cleveland. Niners now 5-1. and one. All right, time for a break here on Overtime. We've got full phone lines. Lori in Phoenix. I also see Telmo, Joe, and Mitch. You're coming up on the other side here on Overtime on 95-7 the game. Again, the Browns knock off the Niners 19-17. to Hey, Mel. Brian here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty. Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as. What? Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 17, a ton more coming up on Overtime with Grandy and Evan here on 95.7 The Game. On the fake, a little shovel, McCaffrey has room, center step, breaks the tackle, McCaffrey in for the touchdown! Now, back to Overtime with Sterling Bennett, Alan Stiles, and Mark Grandy on 95.7 The Game. Welcome back. Overtime continues here on 95.7 The Game. It's Grandy and Evan with the you know, Sterling and Allen today after the Browns knock off the San Francisco 49ers by a score of 19-17. to The 49ers fall for the first time in the 2023 regular season. They're now 5-1. and one. Got some help elsewhere, though. The Cincinnati Bengals knocked off the Seattle Seahawks, so the Niners still atop the NFC West at 5-1. and one. The Seahawks now 3-2. and two as they had a bye last week. 49ers again still atop the NFC West, but by far the team's worst performance of the season. Again, Cleveland knocks off San Francisco 19-17 to is the final score. If you missed the end, Jake Moody missed a 41-yard field goal in the final seconds of the ball game after the 49ers, really for the first time in the entire second half, moved the ball uh, and then it took one knee down from the Cleveland Browns and that was the end of the game again. 19-17 is the final. It's overtime here on 95-7, the game with Grandy and Evan. We've got another hour and a half here with you on 95-7, the game. If you want to give us a call, a new number for today as we transition from buildings here on 95-7, the game, the number to call today, 415-986-4186. We will be getting to the callers. Lori, Joe, and Mitch, we're coming to you in just a little bit. Uh, I wanted to play some Shanahan sound, Evan, because it's something that you mentioned last segment. The 49ers just getting behind the chains, behind the sticks, time and time again in the second half, whether it was a backwards run, McCaffrey tackled in the backfield a number of times in this game, or if it was penalties, uh, a number of reasons why the 49ers fell behind the sticks, and that's something that Kyle Shanahan pointed out after the game as well. 
We went against a very good defense to start with. That's why we expected it going in. I thought we had, I thought we did some good things in the first half. We had two opportunities in the first half to get two really big plays. I think would have changed a lot of it, and we missed both of them. One getting a penalty on it, so we didn't get to do it. And then we came out in the third quarter, got way behind the chains, whether it was a penalty, a stuffed run. Um, we got in a ton of second and longs, which you tell me we get in that many second and longs, third and longs versus that defense. I got a real good idea of how it's going to go. Um, but it wasn't just Brock, it was everybody. Um, everybody had their turn on offense, especially, and uh, it starts with me. I mean, Evan, it got to a point in that second half where the 49ers were facing second and 17, third and 14. And against that defense, as Kyle Shanahan just pointed out, they weren't even trying to convert. They were just saying, all right, let's run a draw play, give our punting unit a little bit more space and kick the ball away. There were many drives in that second half where the Niners were given up on possessions before the possession was even over. That's how bad it was at times. And those were the right choices because of how terrible the first down execution was or how good the Cleveland Browns were on first down or how bad the play call was. There just didn't seem to be any sort of rhythm from the 49ers offensively once halftime concluded, and really towards the tail end of the first half as well, there was nothing that they could get going. And something that I think kind of flew under the radar last year, and look, it's going to come off as saying, well, duh, if you're good on first down, you're going to be in an advantageous position. But last season, even with Brock Purdy not playing the entirety of the time, but playing the last you know six games or so, the 49ers were number one in DVOA on first down. That's one of the reasons why offensively they were so good and produced a ton of points down the stretch of last season. On third down, they were 17th at DVOA. Like, they were a pretty average football team on third down, as most teams are. I'm not saying they're completely reliant on what they do on third down, because unlike Jimmy Garoppolo and even Trey Lance for the first game in a quarter last year, I think Brock Purdy can do a little bit more, can create, can improvise, can make those off-script plays on third down, but he didn't do that today. And that's evident by the 3-for-12, that's evident by some drops, that's evident by some misses, and that's evident by him clearly not feeling comfortable against a defensive line that, coming off a bye, looked hungry, looked fit, looked physical, and imposed its will at the line of attack. And it was at a point so far in the regular season this year, the 49ers were so good on the early downs, they rarely would even face third downs. Like rel- I mean, there were times, of course, and for the most part, when you're, when you're scoring 30 points, and most recently against the Cowboys, 42 points, when you do get to third down, you're generally going to be successful when you're scoring that many points. But they were so good. Like I think of the New York Giants game, for example, they rarely faced third downs because they just were moving the ball with incredible efficiency on first and second down. And if they ever got to third down, it was like a third and two at the worst. I don't want to say the Niners were untested entering today on legitimate tough third down conversions, but they've been so good they haven't really faced that just yet. And for the first time, they got behind the sticks, and undoubtedly they failed those tests. So it's certainly something to keep an eye on as the season moves along and as the 49ers try to search for answers after this game. Again, a 19-7 to loss on the road to the Cleveland Browns. Let's go back to the phones here on Overtime on 95.7 The Game. Grandy and Evan with you. Up next is Lori in Phoenix, one of our favorite callers here on 95.7 The Game. Lori, you're on Overtime with Grandy and Evan. What's up? What would you think of that Niners performance today, Lori? Well, I mean, that's definitely not how you were hoping it was going to go. I think these ones burn just a little bit more because it was such a winnable game and having it come down to a 41-yard field goal that your rookie kicker misses is just it's a heartbreaker you know it's one of those things but i think the overreactions um are still a little bit a little premature for that you're bound to have a bad game okay nothing went right for the 49ers today having to play in that 10 a.m spot having to travel losing your two top players on offense um the referees were terrible um they just couldn't get a break they couldn't get things going they couldn't get things Um, The things that normally go well for them just didn't. And I think they needed somebody today to step up, and they just didn't have that guy, Um, regardless if it was on defense or offense. I mean, defense played well, but obviously against a third stringer, you would expect maybe them to be a little bit more explosive. You know, things that have saved them in the past. And today was really the first time that you needed to see that happen, and it just didn't. Uh, They still should have won the game. They still should have won the game by, you know, seven points, really. I mean, when when it all came down to it. But... 
you know, these are the kind of things that happen. And, you know, to, to say, oh, well, we wasted a pick in the third round. The guy's been good so far. He's a rookie. We have to remember we have rookies in certain positions. And I think going forward, I mean, with hopefully with Christian and Debo not having to miss much time because that would be um, – that, that, that that's going to be, you know, very difficult. I think against Minnesota you can get away with it, but as you're kind of coming into some of the tougher games, you really need all your weapons out there. But I do think that Kyle's gotten a little spoiled, um, you know, having McCaffrey, having Debo, and not utilizing some of these other guys. You've really got to get a second running back behind CMC. Um, I think Jordan Mason is a great running back. I don't know what's going on with Mitchell, but I think they need to, to use him more, find a way to get him involved more. I think, you know, you've got – what happened to Kittle today? I don't know why he wasn't given more, you know, an opportunity. I understand he helps a lot on the blocking and things, but you've got other guys. You've got Juwan Jennings. You've got guys that can play football, Kyle Juszczyk. So instead of just going to all these guys, you've got to figure out how to get other guys involved. I, I, I don't think Brock was bad today. Obviously, this was a terrible game as far as stats for him, but for what he did the last drive, being able to go down there against a great defense, we still have to remember he is in his second year. To say he wasn't better than, than Trey Lance, that's ridiculous. He drove him down, got him in position. They should have won that ball game. So all's not lost. I think this is a game that you're going to learn a lot from. And they're going to look at that film. And, you know, to have it happen early as opposed to late like it did with Philadelphia last year, now they got to figure out how they're going to move forward and how they're going to win and not have this happen later on. So all in all, still 5-1. and one. The Seahawks lost. All of the sky is not falling. Um, on to Minnesota. Yeah, good call, Lori. Thanks for for tuning in here on 95.7 The Game. I generally agree with you, Lori, when it comes to trying to avoid those sorts of overreactions. Six games played, the Niners have been absolutely dominant in five. This one bad performance, and don't get me wrong, it was bad, uh, specifically on offense. Uh, I'm not just wiping it off and forgetting about it, but I'm going to trust that the larger sample at this point, this is not a, a true... Um, I don't know, statement by the 49ers, who the 49ers are in my mind. One thing I would disagree with uh, that Lori said, I'm a big fan of Jordan Mason. J.P. Mason has this team's second string running back. Elijah Mitchell, he was active today, two carries, negative three yards on the day. He he did not do anything, and you know he's been in and out of the lineup so far this season. I think that's indicative of, of just who he is and how the 49ers feel about him. But Jordan Mason, in limited touches, five carries, 27 yards, had a 10-yard rush, an eight-yard touchdown run. I think Jordan Mason is perfectly fine as this team's backup running back, and Really, today, he was more efficient than Christian McCaffrey running the ball. McCaffrey, 3.9 per carry, 11 for 43, had a touchdown through the air, three catches for nine yards and a touchdown. Um, but Jordan Mason, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with him as this team's second running back. The issue today was that you didn't get the big chunks on the ground from McCaffrey like you normally do. Well, and, of course, Christian McCaffrey missed a lot of the football game, which forced guys like Mason and Mitchell into action. I, I, I thought Jordan Mason ran well, and I think that he's the kind of player in this kind of football game that the 49ers needed more of. And that's why I think that the Debo Samuel injury was huge in this football game because Debo is a bruiser. He is a physical football player that can improvise, that may not be the most precise route runner, but he lets his presence is felt when he's on the football field. And what he can also do is help you in the running game, being able to get sideline to sideline, as well as in the passing game. That's why I said earlier, Mark, that I felt like Ray Ray McLeod and Jawan Jennings combined were basically trying to be one Debo Samuel with the way that they use them. He does both of those things, and along with another guy in the backfield, it just gives you so much more... I think optionality to take a word from the Golden State Warriors <laughs> as far as what the as far as what the, the Niners want to do. I also think that the offensive line was was not great today, and the only guy to me that was running with any efficiency between the tackles was Jordan Mason. I, I would also push back on on Brock Purdy largely. Like I, I I just said earlier, the last drive was was awesome. I think he did exactly what you wanted him to do. He was. Deep in his own territory, 90 seconds left, one timeout, he put you in a position to win the football game. That does not make up for a 12 for 27, 125, one turnover performance in which your lone touchdown pass was a pitch up the middle. Like, Brock Purdy, we can objectively say, was bad today. That doesn't mean that he wasn't great the first five games of the football season, but today he was not. If the opposing quarterback against this defense that I felt in in passing was pretty good, goes 18 for 34, no no touchdowns and two picks, 
You should not lose that football game. And Brock Purdy did not do enough along with the rest of the team to win today. And I think that's why we're looking at a team that has to step back, look itself in the mirror, and say, okay, well, are we just going to flush this or are we going to let this sort of performance linger? Because you got another tough road test next Monday night in Minnesota. Yeah, and the other thing that Lori brought up was the officiating, and I'm honestly surprised we haven't gotten to this a little bit earlier here on overtime. Most notably, well, it's hard to figure out where to start. I mean, there's a lot of them. I think most notably was that final drive for the Cleveland Browns. So at this point, the Niners are ahead, 17 to 16. Cleveland, they get the ball with a little less than three minutes left in the game at their own 26 yard line. PJ Walker and the Browns go incomplete pass incomplete pass brings up a third and 10 with 245 left pj walker the quarterback throws to the left to elijah moore uh and it's high and wide incomplete elijah moore leaps into the air can't get a hand on the ball it falls incomplete deshaun gibson coming in expecting potentially a catch he's thinking he's trying to dislodge the ball and and force an incompletion make it a fourth and 10 cleveland would have likely punted called for unnecessary roughness there the Fox broadcast, Dean Blandino, the, the rules expert, the officiating insider, uh, along with Greg Olson, the analyst there on Fox, both disagreed with the call, thought it was a clean hit, should have been 4th and 10. Again, Cleveland likely would have punted considering they had timeouts and a little less than three minutes left in the game. Ultimately, called the necessary roughness that moves the chains. A couple of plays later, there was a defensive holding called against Mooney Ward on a, a play against Amari Cooper, which didn't really seem to affect Amari Cooper all that much, called a hold on Ward. Another first down for Cleveland. They use that to get into field goal range. A couple of nice plays as well after that. Jerome Ford had a 22-yard run to really get them into the red zone and into easy field goal range. I don't know how you feel, Evan. I tend to dislike, uh, I don't know, yelling at the refs, blaming the refs for a loss. Those were two questionable calls could have went either way that went against the Niners and if Cleveland doesn't get those maybe they don't get one of them who knows how this game ends I agree with you what you said earlier this game was lost a number of different ways but it's hard to look past those two calls on that final Browns drive yeah I mean the referees certainly didn't help I thought that they were bad for both sides but it just so happened that the biggest calls kind of went against the 49ers. Like, there was a holding call in the first quarter against Cleveland that negated an Ajoku touchdown on a screen pass. And then, actually, I think Hopkins missed that kick. So instead of getting seven points, they get none on a ticky-tack holding call. Like, I thought that went against Cleveland, but... I thought the one against Deshaun Gibson, in real time, to me, it did look like a 15-yard penalty. But after the replay, it was very clear. He hit him with his shoulder, didn't have contact with the helmet, mm-hmm. but because of the way that Elijah Moore leaped and then kind of, you know, honestly just cowered and kind of crawled up because he was about to get a, a stick laid on him by Deshaun Gibson, I think sold it well. So that was a big call. But but the one to me, Mark, that was even thinking about it, and I was against it in real time, that was inexcusable was the non the non fumble right before the half with forty oh, seconds yeah. left. That was egregious. And that call to me could have gone the 49ers way in two ways. One, that play should have never been blown dead in the first place. You can always go and review a play and overturn it if it in fact is ruled what should what didn't happen on the field. So that's number one. Or you could still call it a fumble, but just let the play unfold. Well, exactly. And they, then they, after they ruled it, it incomplete almost as like in the in the spur of the yeah. moment. And there's no way to me looking at that from just a bird's eye view or with the speed of the action that that play should have been ruled incomplete with the immediacy that it was. Instead, if it's a fumble, you can go back and always review it to make sure. It's not, in fact, a fumble or that it's incomplete. That's one. So the second part of that is I don't know if the football actually went forward from the place that he, quote-unquote, released it. So if that ball is thrown and it goes behind where it was released from, that ball is live. So that's two different ways that that football should have been a fumble. The second one, yes, is maybe a little more conspiratorial than the first, but there's no doubt in my mind that that should have been a fumble for the 49ers, which flips the field completely and gives them a chance at least to pick up three points before the half and salvage a terrible end to the half because that followed the possession in which Purdy missed McCaffrey on the wide-open touchdown. So the 49ers should have got points out of the end of that half no matter what, and I think the fumble at the tail end of the first half, along with the Tashawn Gibson 
called for 15 yards on the Cleveland's last drive, to me combined, were, were, were two indefensible calls by the officials. Yeah, that fumble incomplete at the end of the first half. You were on top of that early. I don't think the Fox broadcast mentioned forward pass, backward pass, lateral at all once, but you're right. It was right on that edge. It was hard to tell if you it was a forward. You could have called it either way, you but, but you don't, you're not allowed to because they ruled it dead when it happened. Yeah, and what the officials can do and what they've been instructed to do, even if you think it's an incomplete pass, you, you, you don't blow the whistle, you keep the incomplete pass call in your back pocket, but you let a recovery happen, you let a potential return happen, and then after you have the clear return and the clear potential recovery, which the Niners could have very well had a, a, a Bosa fumble return for a touchdown... At that point, then you whistle it dead and say no, incomplete pass, and then you can go and review it. What that does is, if the call gets overturned, you're able to allow the touchdown or the recovery by the Niners stand because you let it play out live. But they blew it dead so early, and I'm 100% with you. It was too close, both on the forward versus lateral pass angle and on the actual a throw or a fumble angle. It looked to me like the ball just simply squeezed out of his hands. He was trying a little push pass as he was being tackled. P.J. Walker was the, the Cleveland quarterback, but it looked like before he could release it, the pressure and the hit that got to him just kind of caused the ball to squirt free. So I'm with you. I, th- I think the Niners caught uh, the short end of the stick on that one, and then the penalties on that final drive against the Niners that led to the Cleveland go-ahead foot uh, go-ahead field goal. Excuse me. Also hurt. Now it's not excusing the Niners' overall ugly play. I mean, you look at the penalties in this game. The Niners committed 12 for 105 yards. Cleveland won up them 13 for 119. So it was ugly on both sides. Um, but it, it's not as if the 49ers earned the right to say, no, we, we've been clean all game long. Just because there were a couple of missed calls does not mean that, that they were playing good football the rest of the way. 12 for 105, and this has been a team through much of this season that has been relatively good in, in the penalty battle. They, they generally have committed less penalties than their opponents. And again, they did today because Cleveland was equally ugly committing penalties, but the Niners were bad in that regard all game as well. And it was a big reason why they were behind the chain so often. Yeah, I mean, but after that first drive, which the 49ers looked like world beaters, on that same drive, there were two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, one on a face mask and then one a late hit that got the 49ers an extra 30 yards. So if you take away the first drive, which they did look like the 49ers of the first five weeks of the season, they actually did commit more penalties and more yards than the Browns from that point on, which... I think, not coincidentally, is also when the 49ers look their worst as both an offense and maybe not as a defense, because I think overall they played pretty well. They had some big plays. Randy Gregory, I thought, showed up. Nick Bosa probably had his most timely sack of the season on third down late in that football game against the Cleveland Browns. And so, look, I, I think the offense just was unable to get going because whether it was self-inflicted wounds, the Cleveland Browns dominating the line of scrimmage, or misthrows or misplays by the offense, they found themselves in a position where they could be beat. And I think what I take away the most from this game is that it was not necessarily a plan of, you know, a script of how to beat the Niners, but they were reminded today of what can happen when you do not play buttoned-up football. You can lose to a team with a third-string quarterback, even if you've wiped the floor with everyone else in the league. Yeah, and of course, the injuries did not help. McCaffrey in and out of the game in the second half ultimately did not return, missed the majority of the fourth quarter, and then Debo Samuel missed the majority of the game. It was uh, the injury for McCaffrey, what? Uh what, what? Oblique, oblique, Sorry, for, oblique, oblique for Christian McCaffrey. Right. On the play. Flag and, on the play, number 13. <laughs> and then Debo Samuel was a shoulder. Uh, Kyle Shannon has said post-game they don't yet know the severity of both of those injuries for the 49ers. They also lost George Odom to a thigh, I think. You're right. George Odom, a special teams ace who we've seen uh, here and there defensively as well for the 49ers. Let's go to the, to the phones here on overtime on 95.7 The Game. Joe is in San Jose, wants to react to this Niners loss on the road against Cleveland. Joe, you're on overtime with Grandy and Evan. What would you think of that game today? Uh, 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 thanks, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you, Joe. What's up? Okay. Yeah, if, if you know if that guy, if if they make those field goals, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You guys put all the blame. Uh, Purdy didn't play good. The running back, uh, um, the defense didn't play good. The offense didn't play good. But you guys don't put the blame on that field goal. The guy that kicked the ball. 
the guy that should have won the game because it was a it was a perfect uh, position. Everything was perfect, and so you got to put the blame on on the field goal kicker because he's part of the team. And nobody blame him. And you, everybody's blaming Purdy. They played a good game considering the, the circumstances. That Cleveland defense is no joke. They figure out the 49ers. I mean, the 49ers didn't have all their weapons, but that defense is no joke. And you guys downplaying the the the, the Cleveland defense, but you got to put things in perspective. The weather condition, um, you know, was bad, and uh, and that defense is no joke. So um, they're gonna have defenses that figure out the 49ers and that field goal. You have to make that field goal. And so my question to you guys is. Do they bring in other kickers to for a tryout? Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Joe, thanks for calling in. Uh, no, they will not bring in other kickers for a tryout now. If these are issues that continue weeks ahead, then maybe three, four, five weeks ahead, but not right now. They have invested a ton into this kid, and up until today, he was absolutely perfect. I agree with you, Joe. you got to make that kick, and we did talk about that off the top. Maybe we should reset and get a little bit more into that on the other side. Jake Moody misses a 41-yard field goal in the final seconds of this game. As a result, the 49ers lose 19-17. to But it is absolutely, totally unfair to pin this loss just on Jake Moody. The Niners were bad offensively. Joe, I know we, we give a ton of credit to the Browns' defense. They are phenomenal, but this was a poor performance offensively they could not get anything going in the second half they had negative 12 yards in total through four drives offensively in the second half it was bad it was bad and there's plenty of blame to go around on this one for the 49ers all right time time for a break here on overtime on 95.7 the game mitch i see you on hold we'll get you on the other side more overtime one hour left here on 95.7 the game it's grandy and evan with you more coming up next on 95.7 the game Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.